Yes, welcome everyone to the full 10 yard podcast. I'm Timothy Lambert Monk. I am your host for today. Hope you're all doing very well indeed. And more importantly, staying safe out there. Today's show, we're going to get a bit more of draft fallout and opinion. And on today's show, we have a very special guest uh, making his third appearance on the podcast. And I've said it once, I've said it twice. So I'll say it a third time. It's time to welcome in the man, the myth, the legend that is one and only Mr. Nick Costos. Nick, how are you doing, buddy? My man, Tim, how's it going, brother? Hope you and everyone down under staying safe right now. Yeah, we're all good. Well, we're not quite down under yet, being in uh, being in the UK, but yeah, maybe maybe with the uh, the icebergs melting, we'll float down to towards down under. I don't know, but <laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully we're, not. We're we're all doomed anyway, so who cares? Um, yeah, uh, being a better man, Nick. Obviously, NFL draft gave us uh, a few things, uh, a few different things to to bet on. Uh, obviously, you like a bet being being a better man. Did you have any bets on the on the draft? I uh, did have a couple bets on the draft. I lost my Caleb on chase on under 17 and a half bet. I'd like to really um, not happy with the Atlanta Falcons for their selection of AJ Terrell at 16th <laughs> overall. Should have taken chase on it or CD lamb. And if Atlanta takes CD lamb in that spot, yeah. then I think the Cowboys take chase on at 17 and I, and I win that bet. I did win a couple of my wagers. Um, Jerry Judy over was, was my biggest financial bet of the draft. Um, once uh, the news came out about like his, you know, about it, my team's concerned about his medicals. I thought that was a pretty good bet over 11 and a half. Um, mm. He ends up going at 15 to the Denver Broncos. So oh, oh, overall it was a, a mixed bag. I think I pretty much broke close to even on the draft, but didn't bet a lot of money on the draft. Kind of like, you know, in this world we're living in right now, I think probably best to not <laughs> throw too much money around, you know, not knowing what the economic future is going to hold. But so, yeah, that was my, my NFL draft betting experience. Well, breaking, as you, as you know, as gambling, Nick, breaking even is pretty much a win. So uh, we'll, yes. we'll, <laughs> we'll take that. And let's, let's say, obviously, you've still got racing in the States. So, you know, saving that money for a full card at Keeneland is, uh, you know, you can't, you can't beat it. Um, but there we go. Uh, what was your, what was your, your favorite moment of the draft? Obviously, there's loads of, we've got a, a look into inside people's houses and war rooms and all the rest of it. Any, any favorites? Uh, I suppose Mike Vrabel one is the one that takes it. Yeah, the Vrabel one was pretty hilarious with the kid taking a dump. Um, I think it was probably Goodell <laughs> on Friday night and kind of like he's like slow descent into madness or slow yeah. descent into like being like, man, I'm tired and I just want to get can – can I curse on this, Tim, or no? Yeah, can you curse can. Yeah. But he's like, I, I just want to get the f*** out of here, man. I don't <laughs> yeah, want to do yeah. this anymore. I want to go to bed. So he's all chipper at the start, and then he's like slowly degenerating. And then by the end, he's like full-blown Al Bundy, like on yeah. the couch, hand in his pants, announcing picks. Didn't want to be there anymore. <laughs> I felt like that was probably the funniest moment of the entire draft. Now, if we've been honest, it's probably a time lapse for everyone in Corona, isn't it? And COVID and indoors and just oh, let's just get out of here and just end it all anyway. Um, but let's move on to, to to lighter things and some other stuff. Obviously, it happened in the draft. The um, question I wanted to ask you the most was, have you seen a bigger FU uh, like the, the Packers did to Aaron Rodgers uh, any uh, any time ever? Um, I don't think it's I really don't consider it to be an FU. Um, I don't think that's the case. No? I think it's. A couple different things in conflict. Um, I think they don't know what they're doing. I think that they're an extremely incompetent organization, and I think that they showed that to be the case with all the quotes coming out. We want to tie everything to the run game, which would be great if you know this were like 1975, not 2020. Yeah. So I thought those quotes coming out of Green Bay were absolutely ridiculous, obviously. I, I don't think it was an F you to Aaron Rodgers. I think they genuinely believe that what they're doing is like, 
is, is going to help them win games. I think that they're seduced by their very lucky 13-3 and three season last year. I think they can win with the run game and the defense. I don't think that they can. But I don't think the Jordan Love pick was an FU to Rodgers. I think that was a smart, prudent pick. Like, Rodgers has not been the same player for a couple of years now, and that's not mm. an insult. Like, he's getting older. Yeah. Like, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think there's a case to be made that he's the most naturally talented quarterback that I've ever seen in the National Football League, and that includes Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. I'm not saying he's as good as those guys, but I think there's a case to be made that he's in the conversation. But over the last couple of years, he's not been the same quarterback. So I, I think it's actually prudent by Brian Kudekunst, Matt LaFleur, and the Packers to start planning for life after Aaron Rodgers here. So um, I think that they're incompetent and incompetent organization, but I, I can't kill them for the Jordan Love pick. And mm. I don't think it was an FU. I just genuinely think that they think that's the best way to win games in 2020. I just happen to think they're wrong. Mm. Do, you, do you think Aaron Rodgers would say like that? Um, I think Rodgers is probably, but look, Rodgers is a great competitor. Like he should be about stuff like this. Like, and if he's going to try and use that as fire to have a great season, then God bless him. But I mean, I had this argument with Ross Tucker on one of our, you better, you bet podcasts. And he's talking mm. about, you know, well, Aaron's going to, this is going to be an FU season from Aaron Rodgers. But my, my whole thing is like, I just don't think he's that good anymore to have an right. FU season. Like right. I, that, that's kind of like, what does an FU season for Aaron Rodgers entail? Like, like 25 touchdowns and, you know, nine interceptions. Like yeah. I just, I, I just don't know what that FU season would, would hold for Aaron Rodgers. Now, look, I mean, I, I don't think the Packers are going to be very good this year, but I mean, is it within the realm of possibility that, you know, Rodgers plays, Rodgers doesn't turn the football over and they win nine, 10 games. I guess it's possible, but I mean, I think that's the ceiling for this team. Like I like a lot of teams in the NFC more than I like the Packers. No, absolutely. Well, say it, that last couple of years, we've all been, we've all been saying that Aaron Rodgers is going to have an FU season. It just doesn't keep, doesn't, doesn't pay up, does it? So um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Uh, the other, the other QB kind of, I'll, I'll say in air quotes, controversy was obviously Jalen Hurts in the second round to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, most people, mainly Philadelphia fans, are slamming the pick. But I, I suppose considering what Harry Roseman's done in recent years, obviously giving the Dirty Birds uh, a Super Bowl, uh, I assume he gets a free pass. And considering Carson Wentz's injury history. Well, yeah, I, I thought the Jalen Hurts pick was a great pick. Like, I loved it, um, the Jalen Hurts pick. Like, the worst case scenario is Jalen Hurts never plays, and that's a good thing because it yeah. means Carson Wentz has stayed healthy. So, and, and like, and then Jalen Hurts becomes a trade chip in a number of years, like a la Jimmy Garoppolo was with the New England Patriots. So, and and and, and then if Wentz does get hurt, like you actually have a competent backup quarterback and. I think the, like the debate of like, is Carson Wentz injury prone or not? Like, I think that's pretty overblown. Yeah. Um, like, and, and look, whether he is injury prone or not, the fact of the matter is that he missed games, like a number of games, like it's happened here. And he went out in the wild card rounds and they had to put like, trot out the corpse of Josh McCown in that game. Like <laughs> Jalen Hurts is the quarterback in that game for the Eagles. Like that was a close game against the Seahawks. Yeah, like they yeah, could have yeah. won that game, even with, without Carson Wentz against Seattle in the wild card round. So I thought it was a great pick, you know, if you're planning for the future with Jalen Hurts. And again, like, the, the worst case scenario is still a good one that Hurts never plays. Mm. And that means Wentz has stayed healthy. So I thought it was a great pick by the Eagles. I think Eagles fans have got to quit their bitching moaning, won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Like, enough with the Eagles fans. Like, that was a good pick by Howie Roseman. And um, obviously, one of the biggest uh, storylines since we, since we last spoke, obviously, Tom Brady uh, moving over down to South Florida to, to Tampa Bay. Uh, obviously, he's, he's since been joined by Gronk. And being a WWE fan, Nick, I suppose Gronk uh, being what was what was Gronk being in WWE like for you? Uh, he was terrible. It was awful. It was, a cup of, <laughs> it was a cup of coffee and not a particularly good cup of coffee. He was he would have been dreadful, really bad. Mm. Um, were you were you surprised with uh, with Tom Brady uh, going, going to Tampa? Uh, 
I mean, I guess I'm surprised only because, like, it's kind of shocking to see Brady anywhere else with the New England, with the yeah. Patriots. And I thought he would go to Tennessee to play with, you know, play for his former teammate, Mike Vrabel, um, and the Titans. But, no, I mean, I, I don't think it's, it's it's that much of a surprise because, you know, you go to the NFC. He goes to a coach he obviously respects and Bruce Arians, who's got a lot of – a ton of history, you know, you know, working with uh, legendary quarterbacks. Peyton Manning, obviously, chief among them. Ben Roethlisberger also with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, and that team kind of fits the profile of what Brady's looking for at this point. You know, like, they've got – Weapons on offense, I can run through them, but I mean, I think the listeners probably know who all these guys are, headlined by Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Like a young and emerging defense with a great coordinator and Todd Bowles, who maybe is not a great head coach, but love him as a defensive coordinator. And like Jameis turned the ball over a million times last year, and like that was a team that was in a lot of these games. They were in a lot of close games. And like, I think kind of the misnomer with the Bucs this year is that they're going to, like, Brady's going to throw for 45 touchdowns and they're going to win games like 41-38. Like, I don't think that's the case. I don't no. think they're going to have to win, score 40 points to win games. I think they're going to win 10 games. They're going to sleepwalk the double-digit victories. All Brady has to do is manage the game, not turn the ball over, and I think they're going to win a lot of football games here. Like, the Bucs were close last year. Now, yep. with a, another offseason... Like another another year of development for that young defense, and you add a quarterback of the greatest of all time, and Tom Brady, who's not going to turn the football over. Like, I, I think they're going to be excellent. I think I think it was a great move by the Bucks, and I think they're going to win big in 2020. Mm, absolutely, obviously the uh, the carrot of uh, the Super Bowl being in, in their stadium as well is obviously a, a carrot that's worth chasing. But but uh, obviously the odd man out from in, from a quarterback perspective is, is Cam Newton. Obviously Andy Dalton's recently signed as backup with. Uh, with the Cowboys and James, James Winston, this, the aforementioned James Winston now getting what the minimum with the Saints, which was a, an interesting move, but you know, fair play to him. Uh, where, where does, do you reckon Cam Newton doesn't get signed until an injury happens? Or Yeah, if I'm Cam Newton, I'm not signing until an injury happens and I can start, or I'm sitting out this season and I'm getting fully healthy and I'm getting ready yeah. for 2021. Like, I, like, I'm a huge James Winston fan. But, like, I don't like the Jameis Winston-Cam Newton comparisons because no. Jameis has not even come close to accomplishing what Cam Newton's done in his career. Like, no. MVP season in 2015 brought his team to a Super Bowl. Obviously, that was many years and many surgeries and many injuries ago. So I think, obviously, the concern with Cam is that he's never going to be fully healthy to, like, start a season again. But, like, we think back just two years ago, Panthers started the season 6-2. and two. They got mm. annihilated by the Steelers in that Thursday night game. And yeah, we were yeah, talking yeah. about the Panthers at that point as, like, a legitimate Super Bowl contender in the NFC. Then Cam's shoulder basically falls off and the wheels come off. Like, it wasn't that long ago that Cam Newton was playing at an MVP caliber. So if if he's physically ready and, like, he's good to go, if I'm Cam Newton, I ain't signing to be a backup anywhere. He doesn't need to do that. He's Cam Newton. Like, I would wait until an opportunity arises or hold out till next season. You know, don't play this year. Get yourself fully healthy. You know, get the narratives spinning here and get some videos of your workouts out there. Get cleared medically. And then I think you're ready to roll in uh, in 2021 and beyond. But if so, if I'm Cam, like, I'm not interested in signing a deal. And I'm not criticizing the deal that James, James Winston signed. But, like, I ain't signing a deal like that if I'm Cam Newton. Like, no way, no how. No, no, totally agree. Um, obviously, you're a big uh, New York football Giants fan. What did you what did you make of their drafts? I see David uh, Gilman actually managed to, to draft an offensive lineman this year. Yeah, I, I like the Giants draft. I, I think the Giants are actually pointed in the right direction right now. And like, you know, I've been really negative about them the last couple of years because I'm being, <laughs> I don't, I mean, I was being honest, you know, like I, I, I would yeah, love yeah. to be positive about them all the time. I do think that there's reason for positivity. Now, I don't think it's going to happen in 2020. I don't think this team is ready to compete with the Cowboys and the Eagles. I think there's a chance the Redskins will be better than the Giants this year, too. Their defense is a lot better. But I do think that if Daniel Jones shows some improvement this year, which I certainly think is possible, the offensive line should be better. Like the offense should be pretty good. The problem is the defense is a raging dumpster fire and like really needs a lot of talent. Like they really do. They need a lot of players on that defense. So I think that next year 
after another offseason where you really focus on that defense, I think the Giants could be cooking with gas next season. But this year, I don't really see it happening. Like, I see a max, a max of eight wins for the Giants this year, and I don't think they get to eight. But I'm not really judging this season, um, no pun intended, with the new head coach, Joe Judge. But I'm not judging (laughs) this season based on, like, wins and losses for the Giants. We need to make sure that Joe Judge is a competent in-game manager, which Pat Shermer was not. We need to make sure that Daniel Jones continues to improve so we know that he's the franchise quarterback. they got to make sure that Andrew Thomas is going to be, like, a stud tackle here in year number one before he moves over to the left side next year to replace Nate Solder, who's terrible. So if all of those things happen, then, like, I have faith that like they can get a role in here if they can get some good defensive players. But again, I'm optimistic. I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, but I don't think it's going to be this year for the Giants. I think it'll be next year when they really start to compete. Mm. Did you think Joe Judge would be would be up to the task? You know, it's really tough to say, um, obviously. You know, the guy's never yeah. done it before. But I, I I like the fact that there's an unknown with Joe Judge. So, like, as a Giants fan, like, we knew Pat Shermer stunk because he had two years as head coach <laughs> of the Cleveland Browns where he was terrible. So, like, you knew that was going to be bad. With Joe Judge, at least there's some unknown. Like, maybe this guy's going to be good. I mean, look, like, for me, like, what it comes down to, like, what I consider to be not a successful head coach, but the thing that I really look at is, like, in-game management, right? And, like, say what you want about Tom Coughlin. Um, and, like, Coughlin towards the end kind of, like, lost his fastball on this to a great degree. But Coughlin yeah. was one of the great in-game managers I've ever seen, one of the great in-game massagers of the clock that I've ever seen. Like, you knew that Coughlin, like, had all that stuff covered, that he was going to manage the game properly. He was going to make the right decisions. You know, Pat Shermer didn't do that. You know, if you think back to, you know, the Patriots game on Thursday night last year when, you know, it made no sense punting down like I, th- I and I think it was they were down by like 12 points with like nine minutes left, I, something like that. Mm. But he had a couple instances last year where he's punting in the fourth quarter and it's like, like, OK, maybe you're not going to come back and win the game, but you've got a rookie quarterback here. Give him some freaking reps. See if they can get a comeback going here. Just he did things that made absolutely no like mathematical sense. And it's like, what the hell is this guy thinking? So that's what I'm going to be looking for for Joe Judge in year one. Like, how does he manage the clock? What does he do in these situations? Is he making the right decisions? Is he waving the white flag too early like Pat Shermer would do? And it drove me nuts. So cautiously optimistic about Joe Judge. But I mean, well, I'm not really basing that on anything other than me being a fan and wanting to be optimistic because there's no there's nothing to show one yeah. way or another that makes you think he'll be good or bad. Yeah, well, let's not let's not hope that uh, Joe Judge, uh, Jason Garrett has the ear of uh, Joe Judge when it comes to game management. But we we won't get into that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, oh yeah, obviously, Nick, you are you're a betting man. Have you have you had any a chance to look at any futures for for next season, like Offensive Rookie of the Year, Super Bowl? Have you placed any wages already, or? Um, I, I like the Dallas Cowboys a lot um, to win the Super Bowl next year at around 15 to 17 to one. Um, and I know some people are going to be like, oh, well, you know, they've got the new coach and Mike McCarthy and like it's going to be an abbreviated offseason. But I don't really care because I think the Cowboys were one of the best teams in the NFC, if not the best team in the NFC, with apologies mm. to the 49ers in terms of a roster last year. And I thought the coach was really bad and Jason Garrett really held them back. And I think McCarthy is going to be an improvement. The Cowboys have had a terrific, terrific offseason. You'll love the signing of Andy Dalton to back up Dak. Um, and like I love people like, oh, like, it's, you know, Jerry Jones sending Dak a message. No, it's not. It's like yeah. if Dak goes down, oh, now they have an insurance yeah. policy. I mean, yeah. Dak is Dak is far superior to Andy Dalton. But the weapons on that offense, like I like the defense. Uh, I, I think Dallas is the best team in the NFC, and I really like the value on the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl. And I think we will see a Dallas-Tampa Bay NFC championship game this year. What do you, just a, a note on Dak, how, do, you, do you think Dak's not getting a, a deal till next year? How do you think that uh, that kind of plays out? You, you, do you think Jerry Jones is hoping for a co- coronavirus uh, depressing the salary cap? 
Um, I, I think that, that the Cowboys have probably played themselves into a bad situation here because I think Dak's going to ball out this year. And, it, oh, and the yeah, price tag's just going to keep going up. And yeah. either they're going to pay it or someone else is going to pay it. But Dak Prescott's going to get paid because in that offense, with all the weapons they've got, like he he's going to put up numbers. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned yeah, Tampa Bay. I say they're a bit, of a bit of a different price than they were 12 months ago, uh, considering what their best price, what, 12 to 1, I think, over on, on these, this side of the shore. But uh, yeah, that's a bit, a bit shorter than, than what it was uh, last year. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, Tampa, Tampa Bay, I think, is going to be awesome. And like, and I think that some people are kind of throwing out there like the contrarian viewpoint that like, oh, like they're not going to be that good. Like they're going to go under the win total, kind of like they're this year's Browns or they're this year's Bears. You know, here's the argument I would make. Like we know Bruce Arians is a good kid, is a good head coach. Like we knew like Freddie Kitchens was terrible. Like Baker Mayfield was entering year two. I think Baker's going to bounce back, but he had a bad year. And Trubisky's obviously awful. Like the Bucks have Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. Like they're they're not going to be like this team's not going eight and eight. Like that's where I think people are a little nuts with this stuff. Like, like I was on the Browns under, I was on the bears under last year. I thought the hype was, was too much for those teams. Um, I actually think there's not enough hype right now around the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, honestly. No, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair enough. Um, just a, a quick one on uh, offensive rookie of the year. Obviously, we just had the NFL draft. Uh, Joe Burrow's is not is nine to four here. Obviously, that's what three twenty five. I think in your in your um, your betting terms. But uh, any any outsiders? Someone someone made a point to me the other day saying it might be the the year to kind of go against the quarterback because obviously the coronavirus and lack of mini camps and disruption to, to training. Do you reckon that uh, it's time to go against the quarterback for this year or Joe Barry at three twenty five? Uh, good money. Well, I think that Burrow's uh, like he's the favorite for a reason. I think he's going to have a big year, you know, no matter what. I think he's going to play well for the Bengals, who have a lot of weapons on offense and kind of an underrated offense with last year's first round pick. Jonah Williams returning didn't play at all last year. Um, I I, want to make a case for one of the running backs here, but I don't like any of their situations really that much. Like Jonathan Taylor of the Colts, you know, projects as a workhorse, but then they've got Marlon Mack and they've also got Naheem Hines. And Taylor was not the best pass catcher in Indianapolis. We know from Phillip Rivers from his time with the Chargers, he loves to check down to the running back. And I don't have a ton of confidence that Jonathan Taylor is going to be that guy. I'm not saying he's going to have a bad rookie year. I just don't know if I want to bet on him to be offensive rookie of the year. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a guy that I really like, especially in that Chiefs offense. But so many mouths to feed in that offense. The Chiefs have come out and said that Damian Williams, who should have been Super Bowl MVP, is still going to be involved in the offense, very involved. So at best, you got like a 50-50, maybe a 60-40 split in Edwards Hilaire favor in that Chiefs backfield. So tough to like him, especially with like Tyree Kill and Miko Hardman and Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey. Also um, on that offense, Keyshawn Vaughn from the Bucs, um, the rookie running back out of Vanderbilt, is getting some love. I think mm. he's got a potential chance. But, like, again, like, I, I don't know, like, if he's going to get – I don't know if the Bucs are going to be, like, this point-scoring machine. And they also – Ronald Jones is in that backfield, and they've got a lot of mouths defeated as well. C.D. Mm. Lamb, I think, is probably my favorite long-term projection in any of the wide receivers taken in the first round, just because, like, I, I love the spot that he's in in Dallas with, like, all the other weapons that they've got. But as far as this year is concerned, like, too many mouths to feed um, on that offense. Henry Ruggs um, with the Raiders. I don't love Derek Carr, so I'll cross Henry Ruggs off the list. Justin Jefferson of the Vikings has got a chance, the wide receiver out of LSU. But I think he profiles, like, a lot, like, very much like Adam Thielen does, like, similar sort of skill set operating out of the slot. And that's why I was surprised that Eagles fans kind of wanted Jefferson instead of Jalen Rager, the speed guy, because they've got Ertz and Dallas Goddard, two guys that can dominate over the middle of the field already. So I think that might have been a good pick, but a superfluous pick by the Vikings. So I will look past Justin Jefferson. So the guy that I'm looking at, I guess, if I'm not looking at uh, at Joe Burrow, would be Jerry Judy of the Denver Broncos because 
I think he's got a direct path immediately to targets. I think the Broncos have shown with their offseason that they are really looking to amp this offense up. And, and I think, you know, let's give John Elway and also the Raiders some credit here because they've realized that, hey, we want to hang with the Kansas City Chiefs. we got to score points here. Like, we got to be able to score 30, 35 points every time we play them because Mahomes is going to put up those numbers. So I think you're going to see Denver throw the ball quite a bit this year. We love Cortland Sutton. I think he's excellent, obviously. Noah Fant had kind of an up-and-down rookie year, and I'm projecting better things from him. But they, the Broncos also drafted a tight end, and Judy's awesome. And I think that Judy, out of all the rookie wide receivers, has got the best chance to make an instant impact, the best chance to put up big numbers. So I would take a shot at Jerry Judy, offensive rookie, of the year if we're not going to look at Joe Burrow. No, no, that's, uh, that's fair enough. Um, just before we get out of here, then, Nick, obviously, I think it's worth mentioning and it's worth just taking a, a moment to uh, to, to uh, bask in the glory that the uh, New England Patriots are actually plus money for the first time in what seems a gajillion years for the AFC East, a plus one thirty in your in your terms. Um, the Bills, Bills for the AFC East this year. Or are you sticking with old Bill? Uh, you know, I, it, it's funny because a lot of people I or I respect are kind of on both sides of this, right? Some people are very confident in the Patriots, Jared Stidham. Some people are more in on the Buffalo Bills. Um, I. I guess I kind of lean towards Buffalo a little bit, but there's so much unknown there with Stidham, right? Where like, mm. and it looks like he'll be their starting quarterback in week one, you know, to, depending on, you know, things can obviously happen, but it looks like that'll probably be the case. Mm. Um, but like that, off the offense is really bad. Like they got nothing at the skill positions unless like Nikhil Harry takes a major step up. And I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I know Edelman's still there, but I mean, like, I, it's tough to feel really confident in the Patriots, but it does kind of feel to me like there's so much hype right now around the Buffalo Bills that it's almost like where like the hype I think is deserved with the Buccaneers. I don't know that the hype is deserved with this Buffalo Bills team here. So I will reluctantly back Buffalo um, right now, but I would not be surprised at all if the Patriots ended up winning nine or 10 games. That sounds good. Um, obviously, you've, you've given a lot of bets out there over the last 10 minutes. So what's, what's your best bet for 2020? Is it Dallas to win the Super Bowl or? Um, I mean, I don't know if it's like the best overall bet, but I love Dallas to win the Super Bowl. Um, I like Dallas to win the NFC East. I like the Bears to win the NFC North, actually. I think the Packers will come back down to earth, like I said. Um, I like the Vikings draft a lot, so like I don't really like – I don't love this Bears bet as much as I did before the draft. But I think Chicago pre presents some decent value right now um, to, win the, uh, to win the NFC North. I think the Browns are going to end up being a playoff team this year in the AFC, and their yeah. over-under win total is 8.5. I, I think the Browns are going to be a lot better than they were last year. So those are just a few of the ones that I like, and I'm sure I'll be adding a lot more as we move closer to the season. Yeah, I, I can't be back in anything, but Mitchell uh, commanded by uh, Mitchell Trubisky. So we'll, we'll go. We'll we'll leave it on that one. Uh, Nick, obviously, uh, where, where can the people find you uh, if you if they want the best uh, betting advice? Great. Well, hit me up on Twitter at the Costos, T-H-E-K-O-S-T-O-S. -E -O -O and uh, our podcast on hiatus right now until games return. But you better, you bet, we'll be back. So subscribe to You Better, You Bet if you like what you've just heard. And you'll get access to our sports gambling information as soon as games are back. And for yeah, for, for some decent takes, very much worth a follow on Twitter. Nick, uh, obviously, uh, always a pleasure to, to have you on, my friend. Thanks for sparing us 20 minutes of your of your time and your advice and uh, some some tips in there as well. So I really, uh, really appreciate you coming on. T Tim, you got it, my brother. Hope you, your family, and all the listeners and their families, everyone continues to stay safe. Many thanks there to Nick for joining us. As always, we'll have him on, no doubt, again soon over the summer or maybe prior to the start of the season when we look a few more bets and see how those odds have changed. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter at Full10Yards. We'll be back very soon. I've been Timothy Lambert-Monk. I've been your host. So in the meantime, in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's a bye-bye for now. A bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.